Coast, my friend. Are we live? We're live. We're live. We're live. Welcome back to the Coast to Coast podcast. We're excited to be here. Uh, before we get going, like, subscribe, comment, share. Check out the links down below. Click on the link tree. Check out some stuff once this gets posted up for permanence anyways. And um, with that, I'm going to pass the ball over here to Nick, and we're going to hit the ground running with this one. Today, we got a couple of guests. <laughs> ASNs. We got Pat. She is a common law counselor of law. And then we have Paula, who is a county recorder for Medicino, Medicino County, California. <laughs> How you guys doing? We're good. Good, good. Happy to be here. Doing good. Awesome. Well, we're we're excited. I know I'm excited. I'm, I'm always, always excited. excited. Oh, took the words right out of my mouth there, buddy. Thanks. Here, here you go. <laughs> um, so before we get going, would you two um, kind of mind giving us a quick background and a, a history or a biography, if you will? Years and years ago, when my mother was sick, I took her to the doctor one day and she was complaining of pain and all her doctor did was shove a prescription in her face. And that made something click in my head that, wait a minute, this doctor needs to be getting to the root cause of her pain and figure out what that root cause is and fix that instead of just shoving a prescription in her face. So as time went on, my mother, God rest, was even very dependent on the doctors. But I, you know, me looking in, I was able to see that things were not just right. And then I remember when uh, President Clinton was in office. Um, at that time, I was working for the federal government as a uh, civilian employee and something about his presidency it, it just didn't it, it didn't set well with my spirit and I don't you know for for a few years after that I just let it go but then there were other things in my life that happened um that just was clicking in my head telling me this isn't right you know we have to pay for this we have to pay for that we have to pay for something else and you got to walk this chalk line and you got to do this. And if you don't do this, this and this and this is going to happen to you. So um, that propelled me into uh, the study, should I say, of sovereignty. And I have two grown children. When my son was growing up, he's in and out of foster care, in and out of group homes. And that experience, that also taught me something is you know, I'm his parent, I'm his mother, um, my ex-husband was his father, and I'm like, wait a minute, wh why is my son being in this system when we're his parents? You know, the Bible says that we're the parents, so we have a right to discipline our children in the way we see fit. So I have been studying sovereignty for going on 10 years. Um, a lot of people out there say sovereign citizen. Um, let me correct you right now. You cannot be sovereign and you cannot be a citizen at the same time. Right. A citizen with a capital C is actually a slave of the corporate government. 
And yes, I said the government is corporate. The U United States federal government is a corporation. For those of you out there listening, I challenge you to read the Clearfield Doctrine. The C Clearfield Doctrine says specifically that because of the fact that the United States federal government uses their reserve notes, that they lose their sovereignty. So that makes them a corporation. So we're being should I say governed by a corporate entity. So it's like we're taking orders from Walmart or Home Depot or Target. That's what it boils down to. Right. So I started uh, studying sovereignty. I, I remember years ago, I saw a video on YouTube saying that your certificate of live birth was worth millions of dollars. I was very skeptical back then and I'm like what that doesn't make any sense you know but over the course of time with all the stuff I've learned I've verified it in law I've verified it by reading certain documents I've read I don't remember if I read the whole uh there there's some document that I used ago um about how mothers when they have children they're supposed to be taken care of by the government meaning given money that never happened to me and i have two two grown children you know so i'm like something is really wrong somewhere and um so i i was i, I still am in a lot of should i say patriot groups on facebook and what got me to the American States Assemblies when I corrected my status in December of 2020 was a lot, maybe probably about 95% of what I studied from other people on Facebook lined up with what the founder of the American States Assemblies teaches. And basically, the, 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 now this might blow your mind. When we're born, we are all American nationals. We are all true American people without given unalienable rights that nobody can take away from us. Now, I document that uh, there's the U.S. Supreme Court case law or state case law in it that tells us that Congress actually created the status of a U.S. citizen just to have jurisdiction over us. And when I, you know, I, Pat, I've done a lot of studying over the years and I, yeah. Could you say that one more time? Your, your Wi-Fi was, a, your Wi-Fi was a little bit choppy there. Could you say that one more time? Just that last part? Okay. Uh, I, oh my goodness. I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> she was rolling. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I do get on a roll. This is something I'm very passionate about. But yeah. I have a red law that I use in my documents for my clients that that says that a U.S. citizen is a slave to the corporate government. And that's basically why we have to pay taxes. We have to pay mortgages. We have to pay registration fees on our cars. We have to pay for everything. Right. But once you correct your status and you put all of these agencies on notice of your corrected status, well, I will say I haven't paid taxes in years and I don't have the IRS coming after me. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, see, and that's something that, that's interesting since you touched on the monetary thing. Um, 
you know, before we receive our paychecks, we have taxes taken out of the paychecks. Uh, after we've received our paychecks, mm -hmm. when we go to the store to buy something, there's, you know, taxes, sales tax and state tax and all that jazz. Um, we have to do our vehicle registrations out here in California. We also have to smog our vehicles. Um, and it's just, right. it's interesting because I remember I was talking with somebody, this is multiple years ago. And this was a, one of the people that worked in, in finance at the entity that I worked at at the time. And he was saying something along the lines of when everything's all said and done, and you've received your paycheck and you've spent it on your groceries and your gas and all that, when you factor in all the taxes that you pay, you're actually paying about 63% in tax when you add all of them together. Mm -hmm. But we can, uh, mm -hmm. we, can, we can discuss that a little bit at length, I think maybe a little bit later, but um, Paula, how about you? Uh, right, so I'm Paula Giroux and I'm on Mendocino County on California. Uh, I came to the American Nationals um, a little, almost two years ago uh, when I s smelled a rat <laughs> in the country. Um, the plan, the plans of demons were afoot and uh, I knew something, uh, something wasn't quite right. So uh, actually was through a friend, sent me through uh, Michelle Ford's work that then brought me into the assemblies work, uh, American State National, American State Assemblies. Um, and it took me several months to feel like I had vetted it enough that, that I could believe it and, and trust that uh, it was the right path. And so I corrected my status uh, which is something we're not told that we even have or that we can do. Um, and I changed from being a, a U.S. citizen to becoming an American national. Um, and then I went further and did more paperwork and became a California state citizen, which just means that now I, I get to volunteer and serve in our uh, reconstructed government. Um, it's all work and very little play. <laughs> uh, and it's not quite as bloody as the, the revolution of 1776, but it's, it's, it's mentally challenging. Um, so what we've been doing and what our focus as nationals is not so much to just change our status and then live our life, which you can do as a, as an American national, you owe no duty to, to the government. You, owe, um, you just need to uh, keep the peace and uphold the public law. Uh, but those of us that have gone a little further and deeper are actually focused on reconstructing our lawful government, which is the land and soil jurisdiction. Um, according to what I've learned, there's three major jurisdictions on the planet, one being land, which is where all the people live, uh, one being air, and one being water or sea, the sea jurisdiction. And then there's entities associated with each of those. Um, the British territorial 
entity and the Lord Mayors of London tend to be involved in the sea or water jurisdiction, which involves a lot of commerce and merchant law of the sea and things like that. And then the air jurisdiction is supposedly run by the Vatican, which is the business side of the Holy Roman Empire. Wow. Is there any real is there any real connection to the, the acronym or is it even an acronym with the law with land, air and water? I had, I had seen something about that a couple weeks ago. That's what we're told. You know, you can't in, in trying to research a lot of this stuff. The Internet is is great, but it is also limited. There's you're not going to find ancient documents, not easily, only the most commonly used ones that that benefit those that are in control um but that's how at least it's a way to memorize the the three jurisdictions land air and water law um Hmm. yeah and so the 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 land the air and the water have been imposed on top they've been overlaid on the lands of the whole planet by various governments and entities um so that's what we're all struggling under you know that's why things aren't right that's why people aren't helping people and um it's governments controlling people um making the decisions for us instead of us working together to self-govern everywhere we are which requires, you know, and then it goes into the religion thing a little because it requires a moral standing. You know, do no harm, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Um, so a lot of common law is, is commonly spoken of to be inspired by the Ten Commandments, being that the three major land race religions agree on those Ten Commandments as standards of how we can treat each other. Hmm. I see. And I think something that you that you touched on is is worth mentioning. Um, I've seen it all over the place on the internet. Um, these claims that American state nationals are basically quote anarchists and don't subscribe to government and this and that and the other. But I think you cleared it up very well just a second ago there is a form of government um and it's you're... been asleep since the civil war mm-hmm. right exactly so it, it's not that you know if i were to say hey i want to correct my status it's not me saying i want nothing to do with the government and this and that and the other it's me saying hey i want my life back and i want things to run the way that they're supposed supposed to be ran and i understand you're doing um like you said you're the mendocino county recorder um could you maybe talk a little bit about what you do in in that role um yeah so i can assist people in recording their paperwork so i make sure that they've they've done it right they can get their paperwork off of the tassa website now it can be generated for them so they don't even have to pull it onto their computer and and fiddle with it, they can put their information into the land recording office, which we call the LRO. um, And that's countrywide. 
so then I make sure that that's been done correctly. Uh, I witness their autographing of their paperwork and their thumbprinting because our thumbprint is our seal. It's our own personal seals. Um, and if it's if they're not right here in my county, I can witness them via Zoom on the whole state. At this point, there's uh, a little over 14 recorders on California, and um, since since it's a big state, uh, we can work across county lines at this point until we get bigger uh, in terms of our assembly numbers. And then, and then what we do is we publish those documents uh, so that they are um, a fact in law. And they get publicly published for 61 days and actually they're just, they're there um, longer. And traditionally people have done that by posting their documents either in the newspaper for 61 days or say on a library or courthouse bulletin board uh, the trick with that is is documenting every day that it's there. Uh, so the LRO and you know I'm sure people could come up with other kinds of public publishing that would probably cover the same thing. But basically we record, we publish, um, those records get kept on the county, on the state, and the originals go back to the, the living man or woman. Okay, but it's it's not like someone can create a like a public post on Facebook, for example. Something like that wouldn't necessarily necessarily cut it, right? It's got to be in in one of the avenues you had mentioned. Um. Yeah, I think you know, there's in a world of possibilities. There's always that possibility, but you would still need to be able to prove it, which requires some sort of documentation handed to somebody else. It, you know, for us, we have a package of papers we can carry with us. And if we're dealing with authorities that don't know about it, we can show them our paperwork. We can show them our credential card and that which also will QR code them to our paperwork on that LRO. So in a way, it's helpful for us to have that verification easily, um, easily addressed, you know, seen by others if we so choose. Um, and then within the assembly, it helps us to know who's a part of our assembly, who can qualify for being a juror, because um, setting up our, our land and soil jurisdiction courts is a big part of it. Um, that's one of the four pillars of the state assembly. So yeah, yeah, you might be able to do that and, and you you could probably there's ways to prove that you're you're you were publicly published um, but it's just a matter now of what's easier and what's easier to verify as well gotcha. uh, i have a question for you um that i pulled from one of the facebook articles that i saw um can you explain for us what is the difference in lro and lrs Sure. Um, so the LRS is the land recording system. It was, I think that one got up and running first and Anna Von Rice was a part in helping get that going. Um, and the, so the LRS is run by a, uh, a private man. Um, and the great thing about that is 
he will generate your paperwork for free once you've created an account. Um, the recording and publishing fees are the same. Each state puts out their own um, recording and publishing fees. Um, so it's the same on the LRS as it is on the LRO, the LRO being the Land Recording Office, which is run by the Federation of States, which is our, which is the grouping of all the states to work on the international jurisdiction. Um, since we're, each state is a nation, uh, they, <laughs> well, I'm going to get lost in the weeds here and I won't answer your question. I'll continue with the LRO. So the land recording office is run by the Federation of States. So it's on our own servers. Um, the money goes to support, uh, half of it goes to the state that you publish on and half of it goes to the Federation of States. And again, the Federation of States is all the states working together to defend ourselves in the international jurisdiction. Um, because of jurisdictions, uh, I, as a lowercase p people, am only on the soil jurisdiction and in my county, and that's the top six inches. But then when you get into uppercase p people, then you're talking about the land jurisdiction, which is the state, which is all of what's under the six top six inches of soil. Um, and that is always and in an international sort of jurisdiction um, because it can interact with other states which are considered nations. Um, so the LRO now in the last eight months has really taken leaps and bounds and they can also generate your paperwork for a small fee and um, it's much easier for us recorders using the LRO it's easier for us to correct things, to change things. Uh, the LRS is a little more closed. If you want to have something corrected, you only have a 10-day window from when you first publish. Unless it's some extreme extenuating thing, you might be able to get in touch with the man who runs it, and you might be able to, to jimmy some things. But um, I, I've found it incredibly difficult because I've been helping people who've either been started on the LRS or started a long time ago before I was even a part of the assembly, before the systems were as worked out as they are now. Um, but the LRO for the whole countrywide, it's gonna benefit your state, it's gonna benefit the Federation of States working together. Thank you. Okay. I think my state's still LRS, I don't know. A lot of them are, especially back east, they've really, um, I don't know why, it might just be because it you know it takes learning a little bit something a little bit different, but um, having watched us transition in California from pretty much the LRS to both has been amazing. And then like I said, in the last eight eight to nine eight to ten months, we've the LRO is is grown by leaps and bounds, and the tech people are accessible. Uh, we're always giving them ideas for, you know, suggestions, and uh, they're able to follow up on a lot of them. Uh, very responsive and uh, just an easier system. Sorry, and then it's tapped into the assemblies. It's easy for the assemblies to check on things to, to find out who their jurors, qualified jurors are from there. 
and then you know you can tap into the sign in america program um, and different things that will uh, matter most you can get on the matter most channels there's over 400 of those in the assembly matter most channel that are incredibly valuable full of documents videos information and and with the capability of private chatting with people as well hmm. it's becoming the repository i think of of our government our our reconstructed government i, I got a question so all the assemblies there's new york there's california all the different states how much do they communicate with each other to try to stay up with everything that's been hard to tell. I, um, I'm, I'm only being the coordinator on my county, so I'm not, I don't have access to the state coordinator calls. They have a weekly call uh, with all the state coordinators and uh, Terry and I think Anna, but I'm not sure if Anna is always on that. Um, I think so. Uh, and so you'd think that there would be a lot more intercommunication going on but i do hear from people from other states that are struggling like you say to get a response from their coordinator um it's really tough if you if anybody is on a state and they feel like their coordinator is asleep at the wheel uh it's 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 highly recommended to get in touch with terry som or anna herself um and i can put links for those emails in and That'd be great. yeah just just check in with terry som is basically the 50 states super coordinator he's okay, coordinating gonna, the coordinators to, okay, ask if there's like a main person yeah so so i think for this for the state coordinators it would be terry and uh um she's pretty responsive to her emails and uh yeah, I'll, I can put that in the chat later. Okay. I think I have a question for um, for Pat, actually. Um, can you hear me okay, Pat? Yeah, I can hear you. Fantastic. Um, I, I wanted to touch on, like, get your perspective on marriage licenses. Okay, so, for example, <laughs> I'm, I'm a married man, right? Jesus. Happily. Happily, right, right. let me just throw that out right. there to the universe right now. <laughs> um, but I, I came across a, not necessarily an article, but it was more of a post in a Facebook group that had basically made mention that in order to correct your status, you would have to go through a divorce with your spouse. And I'm like, whoa, hey, hold on now. Um, so I was wondering if maybe you you would be able to clarify that a little bit for us. Uh, that is not true. <laughs> Good. But let me explain. Let let me explain that if you get married, I I don't want to really throw terms out there that people may not be familiar with. But um, if you get married in the de facto, which is corporate government, and you have a marriage license, that means that the United States federal government is part of your marriage. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to hear that and they're going to maybe think I'm crazy, but no, it's a fact. It is a fact because everything that happens, I, I'm not sure about the rest of the planet, but I know every 
everything that happens in this country is contracts. Everything is contract law. So marriage license that you get from, you know, whatever court or wherever you get it from, it's a contract. And the United States federal government is part of that contract. So if you get married in lawful government, the only two people that are involved in marriage is you and your spouse. But no, you do not have to get divorced or anything like that to correct your status. There will be differences because like, for example, Brandon, you corrected your status, didn't you? Or you're in the process of doing it now? I am still... So, so once your status... Yeah, I'm still uh, doing a whole bunch of research. Nick is actually ahead of me in the process right now. Okay. Once your status is corrected, you can live differently because you will be living as a free man on the land and soil of the state that you live on compared to your spouse who still has to pay taxes, still has to pay a mortgage, still has to pay car registration. So that's basically the difference. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Right. You like You're that welcome. answer, Brandon? You happy with that? I I do. I I really was not about to divorce my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was not. That's just right. not in the cards. <laughs> not right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll get remarried, honey. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. I can. I can just envision in my brain how that conversation would go. <laughs> uh, dude, I want to mention oh, to these two. To see what they think about that uh, job application paper that my daughter had. Oh, do you have it? Can you share it? I don't. Or do you just want to describe it real quick? I just want to mention it. I think that's a good idea. Like that article that we went over last week on the episode where one detective, whatever he was, a lot of them are trying to denounce like American nationals are really a thing. It's like we're, we made it up. But what we found interesting was that day we were getting ready to do this episode last week. My wife was helping our one of our middle daughters fill out paperwork for a job she's getting. And she came across something she, while I was at work and she had to send me a, a picture of it. She was like, you got to see this. And whatever papers, what was it, Brandon? An employee employee verification it was it was something like that i can't remember it off the top of my head but it it had some specific check boxes i think that you're trying to get to right but it's a federal paper it's the homeland security form so what was interesting was when you go down and you check whether you're a united states citizen or if you have a green card or whatever nationals were one of the options on that federal form so if we're not a real entity, then why was it on a federal form as an option? That's right. Exactly. Mostly exactly. the de facto will tell you that that national status category is for their territories, like Guam, um, and places like that, Puerto Rico, uh, and Samoa, American Samoa. Um, but supposedly, when our when the founders, you know, created what we know as the American government, they needed a way to tell the difference between the Tories and and the people that were claiming to be American. 
so they you know there's people from from all over europe and the world and from all different countries so they needed to have a way and that the, the 1779 document that we do which is the simple one pager um, that makes you an american national was kind of based on that information that the founders you know had a document that they would have people do to state who they were so they knew who they were working with hmm. Hmm. okay Nick, i found um the picture that you had sent in our line chat um and the part that you had highlighted says i attest under penalty of perjury that i am and then it gives you four boxes that you can check the first one was a citizen of the United States. The second one was a non-citizen national of the United States. So that's, yeah. if that helps clarify, that's what he was referring to. Thank you, Mary. Um, it looks like we, uh, looks like we have a question from the, the Facebook group um, about would the same go for adoption? Um, I think they're referencing the marriage license. That's that's know, what I'm situation. that's what I'm thinking as well. Um, if we could clarify on that, yes. yes, yes, we've got confirmation. So it was it was that. Thank you, Ferris. So what was um, the question originally? That that would be going the same for the adoption. I'm I'm lost in the weeds. Ferris, would you be able to ask that? I think you have a better idea. Yeah, so I think so. So when you when you get married under maritime law or the the corporation, you sign a, a license, and that's basically the the proof that you have made that person to person junction under the eyes of the law, not only God but the law. So when you adopt a child, you fill out similar paperwork that the state recognizes as that child being yours. What's the process? If you have either adopted oh or plan to adopt, and you are either you well, you're you are you have changed your status, but how does that work if your child? If I know there's paperwork involved with your kids that are by birth yours, but how does that work with adoption? And if, if you know, you know, how does that? I think that's what they're getting at. How does that work? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, so when you register anything to somebody else, like the state of state. When you register your marriage, when you register your your offspring, it's birth, you know when they get born, um, you have gifted. Regis is like a gift to the king. Regis is king, so you've gifted that to them. You've given them controlling interest, uh, which is why they can say what happens to your uh, property when you have a divorce or to your offspring who you've given them as children um, so what you can do is you can do uh, you can un you can unregister your your property or your marriage from the de facto and then you can do a lawful marriage uh, and a lawful uh, testimony marriage testimony uh, and then you also can do a baby deed on your offspring that you that you birth naturally 
and you could also, I think, do a baby deed on an adopted. Um, what we end up doing is sending those baby deeds with a cover letter to the Secretary of State of where that offspring was born to give notice on their record. We don't know exactly what they do with that. If they ever do anything with it, sometimes they send it back saying, what do we do with this? You know, um, but you're just trying to correct the record. You're giving notice. You don't, you don't really require them to do anything except maybe put it on the record um, if they would be so kind. <laughs> um, so I'm and, imagining and the, and the you could deed, do that with an adoption. The word deed is not necessarily quote unquote property as we all have been raised to believe the word to mean. It really means God given under law, under right. It's just God given. It's your, it's yours. Whether it's uh, a land, land or a child, or that's really what I mean. Yeah, if you registered your yeah. offspring, like most of us did, because we didn't know any better, um, we gave we gave our children to the state as wards. Um, and then with the social security number, and then there's all this hypothecation that happened with those numbers, creating other uh, municipal and territorial entities that they then use offshore to make money off of. And uh, see, so and that's that's the part that really upsets me, because I guarantee you, had I known that this would be my kids are mine. <laughs> yeah, my kids are mine. <laughs> Oh. And, and my wife's there. Uh, mm, that see, mm. so, Nick, you're gonna have to take over. Now I'm getting all upset. If we do well, stuff me. and we don't tell the government <laughs> everything, they get on us about withholding information. But yet they get to withhold all the information they want, don't they? Mm. Right. Do we want to go down that rabbit hole right now, buddy? I'm I just mean, saying. I'm, uh, we know what they I'm do, here, but dude, what can know. we do? Go there. What can we do? There's um, there's some things. Uh, Brandon, I, I can comprehend how you feel when you say that your offspring are your, your children. Yeah, biologically, they are your ch children. However, like Paul was saying, when you register something, and it's, it's, it's very tricky. It's done through the certificate of live birth, which is different. That's a different document than the birth certificate, which the doctor gives you at the hospital. The certificate of live birth is actually a bond that's traded on the securities market and the federal government makes money off of us. So when that bond is issued, when we are very tiny babies, we're probably about a month and a half old to two months old. At that time, we are all worth at least $650,000. That's crazy. But if you get a copy of your certificate of live birth, you will see on there, there's a section that says informant, and it has your mother listed as the informant. So the government tricks your mother into telling the government that, yes, um, whoever she's married to, um, his offspring has now been registered with the federal government. And that's part of what makes the child a ward. Um, and also in my profession as a common law counselor of law, I wanted to share this with you. Um, let me see if I can find this here real quick. Okay, there is a U.S. Supreme Court ruling of Ken Hollow versus Jones administrators. And it says, in as much as every government is an artificial person, 
get that an artificial person, an abstraction and a creature of the mind only. A government can interface only with other artificial persons. The imaginary having neither actuality nor substance is foreclosed from creating and attaining parity with the tangible. The legal manifestation of that is that no government, as well as any law, agency, aspect, court, etc., can concern itself with anything other than corporate artificial persons and the contracts between them. So that basically tells you the federal government cannot interact with me because I have corrected my status. So I'm now recognized in law as a living woman. I'm not a corporate entity. So they can't interact with me. So if I'm traveling down the street and I get a ticket, um, be, I, well, let me back up. Every kind of document you get, driver's license, social security number, uh, bank cards, ATM cards, uh, bank statements. Um, if you have to apply for unemployment, you get uh, mail from them. Every, all, all of that has your name in all caps. Your name in all caps is the corporate entity that the federal government created so that they could do business with you, okay? So now I've corrected my status, so they can't do business with me anymore. That's basically what that says. Now, as far as your offspring, um, I have read documentation that says that because of the fact that you register your child under, under that certificate of live birth, that child is a ward of the court because they tricked your mother into being an informant to let the federal government know that your father fathered a child or his offspring. But in biblical law, when a man and a woman have a child, that child belongs to that man and woman. So the government has no say in what happens. Now, when my son was growing up, um, he was in and out of the CPS system. Unfortunately, I didn't know back then what I know now, and I was having problems with son as a divorced mother, and I contacted CPS voluntarily for help. Well, had I known then what I know now, there's no way I would have called CPS. There is no way on God's green earth I ever would have called CPS because that gives them the authority to say, oh, well, you have to do this class and that class to get your son back. Excuse me? He is my DNA. He is my organic property. That's right. So why do I have to go to your classes and pass through your hoops to get my feet. son back? You see and what if I'm you think saying? about it, and and for the people out there watching or the people that are going to see this on YouTube later or hear it in whatever podcast streaming platform they use, if you think about what Pat just said, right? It makes sense. It really does. When you said <clears throat> that when we're born, we're basically, you know, a ward of the state, if you will, right? Um, mm -hmm. And when CPS gets involved, they have the quote unquote authority, so to speak, through that process. I love what you just said. Had you known that, you never would have made the call. 
And that's right. stuff that, that we don't think about. So the simple fact that that entity can come in and tell you what to do with your kids kind of solidifies that if you really think about it and open 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 our minds to the possibility that this is actually what's going on if you connect the dots you'll see whatever pictures being painted oh yeah just saying you might go see a picture of brandon <laughs> oh i'm sorry i wouldn't want to <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, man. um, I only have, I think, uh, maybe two more questions that I've, I've thought about or that I've found. Um, and the first one is I know, uh, earlier when we first opened up, we kind of hinted at taxes a little bit. And I think that's a big one for a lot of people because I mean, money is money and everybody loves it. And, you know, they want to keep as much of it as they possibly can. And I know, Pat, you had explained that, you know, you, you haven't had to do the, the uh, pay taxes and all that in a very long time. Um, what we're a little bit unclear on here, I think, that we want to clarify for, for anyone out there who's, who's witnessing this, is what does that process look like? Like, is there a specific form? Do you have to get in contact with a specific entity? Is it just for... Uh, federal taxes or does that also apply at the state level like when you go buy groceries do you have something and because i know where i work i work for a federal contractor mm -hmm. so i have when i need to go purchase something for for work i have this paper that i take with me that says look i work for this entity this entity doesn't pay taxes whoever i speak to goes to their manager their manager comes over and says okay no taxes for you so essentially i'm trying to figure out what is that process and mm -hmm. how does that how does that all work so that we can explain it for everybody right so so yeah. in, the, in the as a national um if if you're not a federal territorial municipal or military employee or dependent um then you can write these two letters they basically say the same thing um, and they go to the, um, the Secretary of State on the um, one in Washington, D.C. And well, actually it goes to the IRS um, and then in New York and it goes to the Internal Revenue Service on Washington, D.C. Uh, so one is for the territorial British IRS and one is for the municipal Vatican IRS, um, and we give them both notice, even though it's the same man, uh, Charles P. Reddick, I think, uh, who's Secretary of State right now still, um, and, and it's just basically letting him know that we know now that we're no longer um, merchant British merchant seamen or withholding agents or any such thing, and that, you know, we, we you know, there's a whole paragraph on there. And then, um, so that's our giving them notice. Uh, what happens is they'll often send you a, a letter back from Kansas or somewhere else saying, we need 60 days to, you know, dear taxpayer, even though you're trying to say you're not a taxpayer, they still put that on you. And some people like to rebut that um, and send them more things re rebutting that. Others of us just gave them the one notice 
and that was good enough for us. We got several letters back saying they need 60 more days to figure out our account. And then some of us got a voucher back that uh, we know nothing of what to do with. Some people think that you can use it to pay off debts or to pay the IRS if they come after you, or we have no idea. Um, but then most of us haven't been bothered. And some of us have not paid taxes previous to changing our status and never had an issue. Um, but now, if, when, like when, when you you're say... doing commerce and you're trying to buy something from somebody else who's who's in in an incorporated status, then they're again in that sea or air jurisdiction of commerce so that they are subject to the taxations that the federal or territorial government puts on them. So by that, if you're interacting with them, you're still going to have to to give them their taxes a little bit like through that. But when you're just having a private trade um, and you're a private uh, people, private man or woman, you're not subject to their, their codes. Hmm. And that's buried in their code. Um, very few IRS agents have read the entire code. <laughs> Very few people have read the code. Well, maybe <laughs> there's the, probably the one for each of them. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, when you say uh, they might send you a letter asking for 60 days, do you think I'm, I'm my brain just goes to, to this area? Would that have anything to do with what we were talking about earlier about the publication after you've corrected the status? Do you think? I have no idea. That's a good question. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. And as usually, if I were you a do that kind of after like 61 days of being published. You okay. might wait to do those um, till you feel like nobody's rebutted what you've put out there publicly. Um, nobody's been rebutted that we've ever heard of. Um, you know, if they do rebut it, then they're admitting to the fraud. So they're kind of in a bind. They can't rebut it, uh, but they will, you know, they, they will still try to strong arm everybody into um, becoming, you know, back into a, a U.S. citizen. You could become a U.S. citizen real quick, real easy. Just, you know, any license, any registration, any voting. We rescind our, our, our uh, voter. We revoke our voter. We cancel our our ability to vote in their corporate elections um, hmm. which you know could maybe go oh no then i'm not i don't have any power in that that u.s corporation anymore but did you ever have it before <laughs> no. right <laughs> Pat, did you want to uh did you want to touch on the the, the state aspect of it of the question with taxes um, no, Paula pretty much covered it all, but what I was going to say is, you know, as, as far as the federal level, you know, once you correct your status, um, before I go into that, I do want to say paperwork, and we are being taught how to self-govern, which means we are being taught how to handle our own affairs. So for example, um, 
I did the same thing Paula did. When I corrected my status, I did the 1779 declaration first. And then as time went on, um, I got more involved in the assembly and I wanted to help build or, well, reconstruct our lawful de jure government. So I did the 928 package. And part of that is um, it, it gives you more, more layers of protection. There are, there are different layers of protection that you need from the de facto government. And you have to actually read the paper. You have to read the forms that you're supposed to fill out, but once you get them notarized and recorded, you actually have to mail them out to different de facto agencies to put them on notice of your corrected status. Because if you don't mail them out, they're not going to know. So like, for example, when I did my 928 package, I'm very bold because my father was a police officer. I have a degree in criminal justice and my ex-husband had been in jail my son right now is in prison he's still a u.s citizen so i have to you know teach him stuff and correct his status um i myself as a u.s citizen was in jail um so you you have to have an aptitude for reading because there's a lot of layers that you have to get on put the de facto agencies on notice so that they don't bother you. If if you just notarize and record your 779 and you did away somewhere, nothing's going to change for you. You have to notify these agencies that you are no longer in the jurisdiction because if you don't, they're going to be coming after you. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, in my line of work, I have some clients that they haven't taken those steps to do that so they have me help them which is fine because some of them are extremely busy you know some of them have biz businesses um i have one client who's a doctor and i kind of have to hold her hand and tell her okay well you gotta do a b c e and if you don't do all of these then you're gonna be hounded by whoever yeah that's kind of i think where nick's at right now is you know, like you were saying, buddy, you've you reached out to your recorder, you received your your paperwork, you did your due diligence, you got your your uh, you you went in, had it notarized, read thumbprint and all that jazz, and now you're in the process of actually finding these these agencies and sending it out, right, bud? Right. And uh, just uh, I wasn't gonna really access because, but Paula mentioned about like if it seems like your assembly's sleeping, like because I understand right now they're all volunteers, obviously. But if somebody's having a hard time getting hold of their state mm -hmm. coordinator, where you gotta, what do you do? Like, because I'm kind of stuck right now. Go to the yeah. next nearest one. Just keep trying them all. If you go on the tasa.americanstatenationals.org, um, you can link to any of the 50 states. And I know some right. of the states are asleep. They're, you know, they've had people stand up in the past. They do, uh, there has been a last man standing on every state, um, but some of them, you know, they go in and out. And so I would say if, if your state's not very active and you can't get in touch with them, try the next one over um, anyone surrounding you. I know Ohio is very active. 
New York is somewhat active. Um, Georgia's very active. Florida's really active. I think Florida might be actually close to having their general assembly standing. Washington State, of course. Um, California is very active. We have a town hall that a lot of people come to from all across the country. Uh, it seems like none of the others are, you know, we just, we have a lot of people in California. And well, like I, so you get copies and they go to different people, but you're supposed to give a copy of every single one of the papers you do to your coordinator, right? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, your, your recording secretary should, uh, send a copy to this, your state record keeper and to your county record keeper. These are all assembly positions. Um, and then you, you should be given your originals. Hmm. That's how that's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. I haven't talked to somebody because mine for New York is, looks different. Uh -huh. And there's not, it's, it's almost like for, I keep looking and looking and I'm not seeing a lot of assembly people. I like, I, I got one corner coordinator and I can't find anybody like a lot of them, like where you're in California, there's like different counties that have them. And here I can only find one guy for the state. And do you, are you familiar with John Petruccio? Mm -hmm. um, he's been doing a lot of work across the nation. Uh, he, He's been doing a leadership and self-governance training uh, that's been really valuable. Um, so he's on New York, and he would be really good for you to, to tap into um, as far as networking. All right. And he might know. Um, let me see if I can figure out the yeah. best way to get in touch with him. I, I now, just I, to throw this out there, let's, let's say hypothetically speaking, right? I, I, hypotheticals, watch out. <laughs> let's let's say hypothetically there were ten in New York. Would Nick be able to go to any one of them, or does he have to go to like the county closest to him, or something like that? For doing his paperwork, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to assume that most states are going to be at the same level as us in California in terms of allowing all the recorders to work across county lines because we don't have a recorder on every county we don't have people on every county we have 58 counties we have maybe half of those with active people on them and there may be other people who corrected their status and don't want to have anything to do with government and you know but we just don't know about them i'm gonna um, have to start an assembly in my county darn it <laughs> that's what a lot of us end up having to do is like well there's no coordinator on my county i guess i'm it you know so there there are um with mm -hmm. with the the census that came out this this last january i think we're at like 332 million in the in america and i know that this this answer is not going to be probably known exactly because i know you could, some would say me like me getting into this now i'm just learning things and i would say that it's kind of in an infancy as far as volunteers to be coordinators and such and, and like you're talking about so my question is what is the hopeful projection as it uh, pertains to population um, comparable to the overall population of america and asns is there any kind of understanding of how fast the growth is and do y'all is there any i mean i'm a statistical guy i know brandon is too 
And I'm Ferris curious likes to know, numbers. Mm-hmm. you know, cause this, this helps me to understand what I need to do once I change my status as a volunteer to be active, right? Well, what kind of, what kind of ground do I need to hit and how, how do I need to run kind of thing? You know, how, how do we help this get out there? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Oh, I just lost it. <laughs> like me. Um, <laughs> not looking yeah, for a I've number. Been, I've been on meetings since six o'clock. So, um, wow. Uh, let's see. So you're, yeah. So there resources. I'm going to say Terry again, uh, who I put in the chat earlier, her email, okay. she's going to be probably the best point person at at this time other than also just coming to california's town halls and stuff um and asking around there uh terry is should in all theory (laughs) be helping the states get connected to their coordinators or to becoming coordinators um and all that so there is help and i'm going to say it's it's going to be uh through through terry is going to be the easiest. Um, and then, so I did put her chat in there or not her chat, excuse me, her email earlier on. I think it's worth mentioning, um, for the viewers that this is a, a growth process, not just in population, but in the process itself and how, like you, you've answered with some, you've had some hypothetical questions come at you and you're answering with assumptions based on your educated background, what you know so far, and you're pointing people in the right direction. That's the only way this something like this can grow. Um, I did have a question also real quick about, well, actually a couple, but I'll stick with one for now. Um, how much have y'all seen, let me ask like this, how difficult has it been from other people once they've changed their status, dealing with something as simple as an ID they used to have, like a driver's license, you walk into a, place of business that require a state ID versus the new ID and how much pushback do they get because they're the, the, the company or um, location is not familiar with that ID. And they're like, I don't know what this is. I need a state ID. How do you get around that? Is it just a constant mm-hmm. educational opportunity? Step by yes. step, one by one by one. It is. And it, it is tricky because the de facto doesn't, want to um, acknowledge certain things like if our credential cards don't have an expiration date we 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 jokingly say it's when we die um Mm. they also don't have your address on it um where you domicile is not on there but anyone who has uh the capacity to look at a qr code can be taken to the e-verify on the LRO if you've gone through the LRO or the LRS is also has a, um, a QR code thing. So they can see your address eventually if they dig around there in your papers. Um, but yeah, there's there's different pushbacks. Like I've had my bank, the, the notary at my bank say they couldn't take it because there was no expiration date. She needed an expiration date. It's that bureaucratic. Um, but they said, Oh, but you could use it up at the counter to cash a check, Definitely. right? And I've used it in the post office a um, couple times now. Different people have done different things. Some people have taken it out when they've had a Leo stop, a traffic stop, 
and um, given that to them. It is an opportunity to educate them. It's like, have you seen this yet? You know, do you know about nationals, American nationals? Um, and some some coordinators just love uh, educating everyone. <laughs> but some people have given that to them and had the the Leos take it back and kind of scan it and figure it out. And you know, on the back of it, it says, um, what does it say? You know that 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 you have the right for common carry and different things like that not to be detained and um, most of the time people end up you know being given the card back and told to you know drive safely <laughs> um, I don't know anybody personally who's been um, taken in because of it or I know one person who a family that has crossed the Mexican border with it Wow. Um, so it just yeah. depends. It, it's gonna. It's probably a slow process. And as far as numbers, I know Ferris keeps asking for the numbers, and so many of us keep asking for the numbers. How many of us are there? <laughs> I know here in California, there's probably over two thousand, which you know, it's a tiny, tiny percentage. That's just the ones we know of. Um, that's two thousand more than I know of. So <laughs> I've heard, I've I've heard numbers up in the tens of thousands across the whole country, but I can't verify that, um, and nobody's volunteered for that job. <laughs> I don't know what all it would require. They'd have to be a federation level recorder who could go in and look at everybody's. Um, but you know, optimistically, maybe there's. Several thousand, several tens of thousands, maybe. Well, let's be honest. There's a level of statistical advantage to not knowing a number while people are trying to figure it all out and grow with it. So I'm okay with not knowing a number. I was right. just wondering if there's a there was a growth expectancy um, between now and the next ten years, five years, whatever. Um, hopefully, it it picks up. People start to wake up and and do something. It it seems there's a common thought out there that people are going to slowly but surely be backed into our corner of of jurisdiction that you know they there's all these different ways of correcting your status there's all these different ways of saying who you are um legally and lawfully and one or the other um it very few of them are actually focused on not only correcting status but re reconstructing because the reconstruction did not technically happen because the civil war was not technically ever ended by the states hmm. the land jurisdiction states um real quick with the credentials so what about the passport or is that part of the credentials card that is something that there is a method that people follow after they've corrected their status to then get a new passport um, in theory as an American national. Um, we still don't have a lot of verification if it's doing what we think it's doing, but people have done that and some people have been able to like go around TSA in the airports. Um, if it's done right, you're given almost a diplomatic status but I don't think it's always done right. 
and mm -hmm. I don't know that I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I'm trying not to travel too far. So, um, I'd like to chime in on identifications. Okay. Um, I stopped carrying my driver's license. Uh, I think maybe about six months ago. This is a very, maybe some people might think it's a bizarre story, but um, I was in a Walmart, and at that at this particular day, I did have my driver's license with me. Well, because of all this uh, stuff, propaganda, should I say, going around about this supposed virus, and you know, people the right to choose, you know, it's my body, my choice, all of that kind of stuff. The thought came to my mind that, okay, well, if I get stopped and I get questioned for identification and I show them this driver's license, which I know my research has taught me, it's a contract giving law enforcement permission to give you a citation. And I'm thinking I've corrected that. So if they stop me and ask for ID and say something like, why don't you have a mask on? You know, that's what went through my head. So when I got home, I put it up in a drawer and I just stopped carrying it. So the only identification I carry now is my credential card. And then like Paula said, there is a family here on California, a husband and wife, I think they have offspring, but they were on a town hall meeting and they traveled across state line from California to, I believe it was New Mexico. And they had their passports, but all they showed were their credential cards. And that was Mexico. They got to the other state, no problem. Oh, was it Mexico? Yeah. Okay. So they um, traveled into Mexico, no problem. And they came back into the United States, no problem, showing only their credential card. Um, I am also very active on Telegram, and I saw a video that somebody had posted of a guy. He, I think he was in an airport, and all he showed was his American State National Credential Card, and he had no problems. So we are making waves. We are awesome. editing <laughs> the facto of our corrected status. We do have diplomatic immunity we do have diplomatic immunity to the corporate government you know and, and i mean it is going to take some time to gate them because all of us were brainwashed for over 150 years thinking that this was the right way to live when it's not and the longer it's going on the more it's just getting embedded in people's heads this is just as completely normal right yeah seriously right um I think I'm, I have one last question and then we can go into like final thoughts and whatnot. Cause I know we're getting close on time, but, um, and I think this would apply to, to everybody involved. When you think back on your process to correct your status, right? Um, I believe I said it earlier in the show, the, the more I look into it, the more questions I end up having. Um, what was, what would you classify as being the quote unquote scariest part, if you will? Hmm. Good question. 
for you if there if there was a scary sorry i had a really loud car just drive by i'm in my garage um was there anything that you were you were fearful of basically and if so how'd you how'd you get over that and and what'd you discover that's kind of what drove me into it was fear yeah. fear for my family <laughs> fear for my children <laughs> but in doing it you have to face your fear and once you even begin to get a, a hold on to what who you are who we are who we are born as um that's right. That fear goes away, you know, and there's still that there's still, you can always fear something. There's always something to fear, but does it, does it, does it get you where, you know, I mean, does it help to fear it? You know, yeah. I, I do don't know. Beer getting shaved off. <laughs> there's some healthy fears. You don't want a cold chin in, in December. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> now, the reason why I ask is, is I think inherently fear stops a lot of people from doing things. Um, there's, there's a, a thing that I saw a very long time ago that basically said, when you're afraid of doing something and you finally do it and you face that fear and you've completed whatever it was, you find out that there's nothing really to be afraid of. Think about the first time you went on a roller coaster. You may have been absolutely terrified, but you get off that roller coaster and you're like, hey, let's go again, you know? Um, and the reason why I wanted to ask that question specifically for you two was, was there anything that you were fearful of that would make you hesitant in any way, shape, or form? Because I think a lot of people out there, when they start going down this road and they start doing the research they go down that proverbial rabbit hole if you will right um i think they're going to find a lot of stuff that that might actually scare them not not that it's a it's a bad thing what i'm saying is from the other side of the fence ferris is so much better with words than i am he should be the co-host of this show not me but, yeah, <laughs> but what, what, I, what i mean is like for example the article that we read last week Okay, it was it was written solely to combat the the whole American state national. Um, I don't know if you want to call so it. Well. You have to send it to me. It was written. Yeah, so absolutely. Well for a moment, I was like, "What am I getting myself into?" <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you. exactly <laughs> the way that it was written because Who it was benefits? written that way. Yes, it was written that way purposefully want, right so want, how many people are going to feel that way the probably don't a want lot. to lose us they were making their money off of us so they're going to try to put fear in people don't do this right and that's and the they, only they way did. they have when i, is, when I first seen that article pop up before we even them. talked about it between us i came across it one day and for a minute in my head i was like what am i getting into it did. It, it, they wrote it. They, she wrote the enemy article, wins. That's exactly when what you I'm doubt about. every step. Yeah, Pat, but, I, I relate to you right. on the team because I'm like the legal resident yeah. for the team because I question everything. Always, I, what I about like, legally? Wait a minute, wait a everything we do comes in. Well, what about the legal side of it? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I actually ran across that article, and I, we'll send it to to both of y'all. But the great thing is, is we're in the Facebook um, group. Um, 
So that they've probably seen it. It was an article written by the I don't remember the journalist. Seattle but Times by the Seattle Times. Yeah, yeah. lady. Oh, is that um, that was about Terry? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they yeah. put yeah. her through the mortgage mill, an right. illegal exactly. mortgage mill. Yeah, and that's yeah. the article that the hosts keep referring to. Yeah. It was all bunk. Well, not only okay, was the article so, written to fear people, but even the way they came in on her, they came in like it was a compound or something. They yep. made a very good scene out of that mm -hmm. whole Drones, thing. smoke bombs, was, killed yes, a dog. Yes. yes. Guns. Unbelievable. She's, in, she's like in her upper 60s. Crazy oh. stuff. She stood her ground, though. She <laughs> did. I kept saying She has people, the original land it, patent, it, too. I kept mentioning people. We always try to say, mm -hmm. you know, before mm -hmm. you let that fear get to you, research. Look into it. Right. Don't just let right. it feed into your head and go, oh, well, I'm going to go with that. That's the problem with this country is everybody just, whatever they're told, they just go with it. Bet everything. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let me chime in here. Um, as far as fear, when I corrected my status, I had no fear. Okay. I will put it this way. I think God prepared me for this based on everything I've been through in my life before I corrected my status. Because like I said, my dad was a police officer for the de facto law enforcement. Um, my ex-husband had been in jail for stupid, petty stuff. I a beer in a park. I'm an American now. If I want to go drink a beer in a park, I'm going to do it and the developer better not try to put cuffs on me because <laughs> as american national we can do what is called a fee schedule okay and this is based in law some codes that the government themselves wrote where it says that if they arrest me the now that schedule. i'm no longer a u.s citizen it's considered kidnapping and i can charge them if they take my dna i can charge yeah. them if Remember? my fingerprints or my spit or my hair or whatever i can charge them I've been i have my notarized recorded fee schedule i have my notarized recorded fee schedule on record and i sent that with a copy of my paperwork that i sent to the county sheriff here on the county i live on i'm keeping the thing so, in my car <laughs> like i said i i had <laughs> I had been studying sovereignty for eight years before I corrected my status. So as far as that, I have no fear. Um, I do have two parcels of land, but I don't have a mortgage because actually mortgages are unlawful. They are unlawful. And again, because of my profession, you know, I have some clients that have uh, issues with their mortgages and you know there are times i'm sitting here on my computer for three four days researching to um find appropriate laws to put in documents that i write for my clients and i have a client right now she is should i say more proactive than some of my clients because she's fighting a mortgage issue and she has a land patent and for those of you out there that don't know, a land patent is the, the true ultimate title to land. When you have a land patent, 
de facto law enforcement has no right on your property, period. Period. So anyway, this client of mine, she has a land patent. So I was doing research for her case and some of the stuff that I read, it it just blew my mind. Basically, if you have a land patent, like I said, nobody can come on your land unless you invite them. You know, now see, sheriff's officers, well, all, all people that hold de facto positions, whether it's the mayor, the governor, the president of the United States, the sheriff, they all hold an oath of office. The sheriff's department, they, I, I have a copy of the oath of office for the uh, sheriff's department here in Mississippi County. And it says in their oath of office, they are to uphold the constitution. I don't remember if it says of or for, because there's three different constitutions as well. But I'm an American national. I'm under the constitution for the United States of America, which is the organic constitution, which was the first one written. I think it was in 1787. Paula, please correct me if I'm wrong. But under that that constitution, my rights have to be upholded, period. And if if the sheriffs don't uphold my rights, I can charge them. And I know how to do the process, and I will charge them if need be. I I need your number. I'm, I'm with Nick okay, on that one. I always, we might be giving you a call. I gotta tell you, okay. I'm so glad okay. you mentioned the fee schedule. All right, all right. Nobody's ever mentioned that, and I always wondered about it. I was like, mm-hmm. "Is this boo?" Well, Nobody okay. seems to talk about the fee schedule. Yeah, Nick. Nick kind of got a he 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 got a copy of of I think it's the fee schedule. Is that what it's yeah. called, right? Yeah, it's called. And um, he kind of showed it to me, and I'm like, "What is this? <laughs> what?" is this um but i think that one would be a question probably for another episode but yeah it's gonna be right a, you asked that leo just, just is this I... an order and if he's making an order just like at burger king you give him the fee schedule did you hear that so you're not too far off i think by keeping it in the glove box of your truck there buddy <laughs> i'm just saying mine's in my car yeah, along with all my you. other paperwork i love there it you go Dude, well, we are going to learn so yep, much doing yep. this. So, so I know, anyway, right? getting back to what I was saying, getting back to what I was saying, um, you know, I I've just seen too much corruption, so I'm I'm not fearful. Um, I will admit, I think she's that motivated. if I'm driving. Um, I should say traveling because driving is a commercial term. But if I'm traveling in a vehicle and I get pulled over by de facto, de facto <clears throat> excuse me, de facto law enforcement, you know, I might get nervous and I might stumble upon my words. But I'm like Paula, I have a travel packet that I carry with me and I've got a bunch of documents in there. I have a bunch of US Supreme Court case laws that say because I'm not using the vehicle in commerce, I don't have to carry a driver's license. I don't have to have insurance. I have an insurance bond. So I don't pay monthly insurance premiums. I have a bond. Um, you know, I'm I'm not 
using my vehicle for commerce. And commerce is deemed as if I'm transporting people or products or pay. So like people who drive for Lyft and Uber, yes, their vehicle has to be registered. But if I have a job, um, say for example, I have to drive to a lawyer's office and I'm going to work every day or I'm going to school every day, I'm using my vehicle in commerce. So I don't, I'm by law, according to the US Supreme Court case law, I do not have to pay registration fees. Well, I like it. My wife isn't going to become one, at least not right away, because she still needs, there's things with, through the government she has to have, like certain uh, benefits. So if I do something and it's like, well, that's kind of considered commerce, I just let her drive. <laughs> <laughs> you sneaky man, you. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to talk to her. Yeah. Nick, I would be more than happy to talk to your wife if you like. Yeah. You know, and by the way, for those of you out there that are listening, if you want my phone number to call me, if if you need some help with something, my number is 707-354-0658. Your phone going to blow up. There's, you <laughs> get that? <laughs> Man, it's well, good. I already had it, well, but that's I wasn't okay because I, I'm very passionate. <laughs> right. I see well, that you're gonna, you, you're gonna get but people I'm, pumped up that, to become that's all, these okay because I am very passionate about helping people get out from the tyranny of the government. I think that uh, I've been preparing for this so, because I never voted once in my life. That's good. <laughs> that's really great. Yeah, because when, when you're a U.S. citizen and you vote for, you know, governor, mayor, president, you're voting for a corporation. Mm -hmm. You're voting for, like, uh, employees at Walmart or Target. You're not voting for lawful government. And that reminds me, there is a difference between legal and lawful. I read somewhere oh, yeah, that legal that. is the undoing of God's law. Legal is codes and statutes. And there is U.S. Supreme Court case law that says codes and statutes are not real law. That sure. common law is the law of the land. I know because I've read it. I study this stuff all the time. Legal and law. That's right. Yep. There's a difference between legal and lawful. Well, we could go on and on, dude, but... We're going to have to get these guys back on again, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think we're going to have to have a follow-up um, at some point in time. Uh, for right now, I think, ladies, we're just elated that you were here. Super stoked to have received the information. This has been fantastic. Awesome. And, um, again, yeah, we're definitely going to be reaching out to see if we can get you to come back because, as always, we just have more questions. <laughs> I know I do. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. And try to make it to the California Town Hall. One of oh, these absolutely. Nights. I put the link in in the chat. Fantastic. So. I'm Y'all, yeah. we're going to have to make a trip out of it. Nick, you come out here. Ferris, get out at Mary. You can come too. It's okay. Hey. <laughs> Nick, you want to do the thing? You do the thing, Nick. All right, folks. Like, subscribe, comment, share, comment, share.
Go to the description. We got, we're going to have a lot of links in this description. We're going to have a ton of links in the description to a ton of resources for everybody. And again, thank you so much for being here. That's right. And we'll see you next time. Peace, everybody. Bye.